This is W T M. Watch this movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. Are you drinking up? First, you gotta do the trunk shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. W G M. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new episode of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. J.C. Penny is coming here because of me. You ask anybody, they'll tell you. Joining me once again is Mr. Positivity, Wolfie T. Little pigs, little pigs, let me come in. What's up? Not much. It's been a minute. It has. Had uh, some uh, out-of-town visitors for a while, so we aren't able to record during that brother clint in town yes brother clint came to town he brought his two kids and they were here for 10 days Mm. which is excessive for a visit in (laughs) (laughs) mid-october you went and saw a couple movies didn't you yeah we went to the alamo draft house i've never been there before and i i may not go back because it's very fancy and they're very pushy (laughs) Uh, we saw Friday the 13th part four, which was uh, hella fun on the big screen. And sure. it was a pack, packed house. People were really into it. Later, we saw Beetlejuice on the Dolby, which almost was derailed because they, uh, they screwed up the the audio. The movie, they, before the movie, there's a, there was a uh, introduction from Tim Burton. But instead of playing the audio for the Tim Burton introduction, they played the movie audio. <laughs> and then they rolled right into the movie and for about 12 minutes until somebody finally got somebody's attention. Oh, wait. The audio on the movie was like 30 seconds or a minute ahead of the, the, the uh, picture. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very disorienting when you hear them crashing through the bridge. Sure. Uh, and, and then you see it a minute later. Like, oh, that wasn't as effective as it probably should have been. Uh, luckily, they figured it out, restarted the movie, and we got to see the whole thing. So that was pretty sweet. And then uh, we took the kids to see The Nightmare Before Christmas uh, in 3D, which is pretty cool. Nice. So, yes, it was uh, no new movies. We didn't go to any new movies. It was the weekend that Taylor Swift came and dominated the box office. Mm-hmm. Save the theaters for another month. <laughs> They've been running AMC's been running her movie Thursday through Sunday every mm-hmm. week since then. Yep. And uh, if you go Monday through uh, Wednesday, you can tell that they're not playing Taylor Swift's movie <laughs> <laughs> because nobody's at the theaters. Did you see those collectible buckets? No, I, I don't go to the concession stand, but I, I don't know. Maybe out of and the corner cups. of my eye, I've seen somebody have them. They're, they're quite pricey. Well, shit. The movies are fucking expensive. No refunds. No refunds. $19.89 plus tax. <laughs> Those are fair prices. No refunds, no way list. That is all profit. <laughs> Did she cut out the middleman? Did she sell? Yeah, she's self distributed, right? Yeah. I heard she uh, hit billionaire status. 
in the last month. Yeah, some some article was saying she was going to make four billion after this tour. I'm like, no, there's no fucking way. That maybe revenue, but bet you she has two billion in expenses. <laughs> I don't know. She's doing a worldwide tour. She's doing football stadiums all across America, multiple yeah. night uh, stays in every city. I know she did at least two nights here at U.S. Bank Stadium. Sold them both but, out. I know she's. You know, owns more of her own stuff nowadays, but you always hear those stories. Even like Lady Gaga, they'll talk about how they went on tour for a whole year, and it was basically just a makeup for the label. Basically, they barely make any money off of it. But I mean, by barely, I mean a few million. But <laughs> well, Metallica makes all their money touring because everybody steals their music <laughs> on Napster. <laughs> Still do. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I never had Napster. I had LimeWire. And Kaza. I, I always hated Kaza. those assholes that said, you mean Kazaa? Kazaa. <laughs> you mean you had computer virus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I did not have an Apple computer at the time. So, yes, there were many viruses. <laughs> but, yeah, Taylor Swift is dominating the box office. You can tell when her movies are playing because there are many moms with their young girls and a lot of gay dudes. Mm-hmm. And they're all very sparkly and sequiny. Yep. Yeah, I was cleaning the theater the other night, and one of the seats was just full of glitter. <laughs> it's a, it's a cloth seat. This isn't leather. You can just rub it off. Like that seat's just going to be glittery now. You can't just rub it off in the theater. <laughs> no. <laughs> now when there's little kids around, you turn on the eras at about midnight, and everyone's gone. <laughs> Shit, with how with how often they're playing that movie, they probably got midnight <laughs> showings. They've been running like twenty or thirty showtimes a, a day. <laughs> Fucking crazy, taking them all the Dolby showtimes. Mm-hmm. Had to go, had to go see five, five Nights at Freddy's uh, on Monday because it was not the Dolby, but at ten forty-five p.m. over the weekend. That's no way. They're THX. <laughs> they don't even have Dolby. Sorry. So yeah, uh, it's been a while since we've done a recently seen episode. Halloween just happened. Today is the first. Wake up, wake up. It's the first of the month, November. November 1st. I, I do want to say I'm very disappointed to learn that they did not, in fact, pass the law to make daylight savings time permanent. Hmm. Lousy farmers. <laughs> I thought they did. And now all I see in the news in the morning when I'm getting ready for work is we're falling back on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Or Sunday, technically. It is always nice to get that extra hour, you know. Yep. Stay up for an extra hour and then try mm-hmm. to try to, you know, function normally. <laughs> Staying awake for an extra hour. Uh, so... We are in the midst of our horror extravaganza. We already gave you four episodes. If you include the Friday the 13th part two with Stu from MMC. Which I do. Of course. But it just doesn't fall in under the umbrella of our theme like the other six, like the other six films do. Well, neither did New York Ripper, but that's what did neither here nor there. A lot, if not most, of the interiors, or I should say some, if not most of the interiors, were filmed in Italy. Okay, you can have that one. (laughs) And it had, uh, uh, you know, Italian actors. 
lot of ADR. Sure. So it still has that Italian flavor, but yes, there was some great on-location shooting done for the New York Ripper. But that was not the case for Pieces and uh, Stage Fright, the other two films we've done. Uh, So those are all 80s films. And now we're going to, we're going to, we're about to start three more films in the horror extravaganza that are all newish. I think the oldest one is uh, 2018. Yeah, that's that's less than five years. Yeah. <laughs> I think the house that Jack built was 2018. The lighthouse was 2019. Yep. Uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre was 2022. So for those of you clamoring for newer stuff, quit talking about all this old shit. Here you go. These are all still all films take place in America, but not filmed here, largely. I mean, everybody still loves The Lighthouse as much as they did the day it came out. <laughs> I have not yeah. heard a single person flip-flop on that on that movie. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a great episode. Yeah, And uh, we, we know everybody loves Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> At least half of the show does. How's the Jack built? I, I have not heard too many opinions on that, but uh, it's worth watching. Well, if you listen to the year-end show from that year, I said the episode would have came out early 2019. That was my number one film of 2018. That was the Jack Bill. I've been singing its praises for less than five years, Brett. That was before I was on A-list, so I was not <laughs> on that episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, you weren't watching a ton of new movies. We, we had to get we had to get a ringer in to do the the <laughs> the year in review recap because I'm like mm-hmm. I've only seen like five movies this year. <laughs> uh, now I watch now I watch 125, way too many. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we have uh, those episodes in front of us. We'll probably do another recently seen of a special uh, another episode with Stu from the MMC. We're going to do a, a an episode on a film that he chose, so he likes it. I've <laughs> been told it's a, it's a fun Aussie movie that was filmed where he's from in Melbourne. So apparently he's got some insider info on this fun movie called uh, Takeaway, I think. Australian comedy. Rose Byrne is in it. Rose Byrne. I, she's in a lot of stuff. Yeah. This is before Seth Rogen uh, got her uh, Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> And we've gotten some new listeners in Australia. So if you want some Australian stuff, well, it's coming in about a month, maybe a little longer. Uh, then we'll do our year-end Christmas episode. That'll be the end of the season. We'll go on a hiatus for a few weeks. Although the podcast won't be taking a hiatus because I'm going to be releasing a bunch more of our back catalog. So fair warning, once again, if you don't want to download 100 episodes in a week, Turn off automatic downloads. I suppose around, I'll, I'll probably start dumping them after Christmas. And before we come back, say probably mid-January. So there'll be a two, three-week span where there's going to be a lot of episodes dropped. Not until after Christmas, though. Don't miss the Christmas yeah. episode and the rest of the new stuff coming before that. Correct. That's probably why I'm going to wait until after Christmas. But... uh we always do the movies from our youth towards the beginning of the of the year, but we're gonna introduce a new a new I guess block, new block of episodes 
taking place before then. We're going to do a couple of Minnesota films every January now. So we're doing two Minnesota films in January. Movies from our youth, year-end Oscar stuff. You guys know the drill by now, I'm sure. Dedicated listeners. Yes. Dedicated fan base. Never miss an episode. We're very organized and uh, predictable. Mm-hmm. I guess that'll about do it for announcements and what have you. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? <laughs> All right, let's get into it. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? Uh, I think you got to go first. Yeah, in the last recently seen episode, I challenge you to watch Edge of the Axe, which would have fit in our theme for this year because it takes yeah. place in Northern California, but was largely filmed in Spain. And I watched that. Uh, I finished it up about uh, 40 minutes ago. You took a page out of Stuart Bulk's book. Yeah. <laughs> you're probably going to hate it, right? When you start reviewing it, and then <laughs> yep. we go into spoilers at the end of the episode. You're like, well, it wasn't so bad. See if you can tie me into it. <laughs> yep. I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not as extreme uh, in my opinions as him. Uh, <laughs> we'll say that. I'm a little more uh, fair to some of these movies. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, I will go first. I guess I'll talk about the newest film I saw, which I don't think is in theaters. Maybe a select few. You know, they got to submit it for to be uh, eligible for Oscar consideration, right? Sure. Prime's entry of Totally Killer, new horror comedy from Blumhouse. From from the Blumhouse. From, from the producers of Get Out. <laughs> the producers of Get Out. <laughs> Now it's now it's the producer of Megan. <laughs> yeah, it is. It, that is literally on the trailer. It says uh, from the makers of Megan or whatever. That's the. I don't the think night- I think they didn't even mention Get Out. If I remember. No, they stopped doing Get Out a, a couple, maybe a year or two ago. Um, I forget they did something after that. I don't. I don't know if it was Us or uh, there was something on maybe Halloween. Mm. But yeah, now it's Megan. Like they got a trailer for a new movie called Night Swim, where it's like from James Wan, the producer of The Nun, and Blumhouse <laughs> producer <laughs> Megan. It's like, why? Would, it doesn't sell me on this movie. The the guy who brought me The Nun and Megan. Why? I swear why I, would I want to see this new movie if those are the the movies they brought me before? I swear I saw a blurb the other day for The Nun too, and it was like the sequel to the. Global smash hit the nun. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, I guess I mean, the okay, nun was but, a huge hit. Yeah. But I mean, for, for COVID, it was. The, the nun did gangbusters at the box <laughs> office and it only cost like five million to make. So, yeah. <laughs> the second one was okay. I didn't mind the first one. Like, the, the half of the first one was, was quite good. The other half, not so much. Like, yeah. You get through a lot of shit either. to get to the good stuff. The second one, she just pops up and jump scares people and then just disappears a bunch of times. <laughs> <laughs> like, just for no reason. <laughs> All right. So, Totally Killer was directed by, oof, this name, I tell you. Uh, Nanachka. Not going to work here anymore. Nanachka Khan who I believe was behind Always Be My Maybe. 
Yes, the director of Always Be My Maybe, you know, with, with Randall Park and Ali Wong. It was very popular on Twitter when it came out. Mm-hmm. That was the one with Keanu Reeves, right? And then nobody weird cared. glasses. And... <laughs> and then nobody cared. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, Totally Killer, directed by that person, starring Kiernan Shipka, who I know very well from Mad Men. She played Don Draper's daughter, Sally. Mm. So it's like the first thing I've kind of seen her in since Mad Men. I've seen one episode of Mad Men, and it did not make me want to watch more. What an episode it was, right? I love Mad Men. Great show. Give it a chance. I watched the first episode, and I said, that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) It's enough smoking for me. (laughs) Uh, Next on the cast list, Olivia Holt, Charlie Gillespie, Lachlan Monroe, Troy Leanne Johnson, Leanna Liberato, uh, Randall Park is also in this, Julie Bowen co-stars. I think they'll do it for cast. Synopsis. When the infamous Sweet 16 killer returns 35 years after his first murder spree to claim another victim, 17-year-old Jamie accidentally travels back in time to 1987, determined to stop the killer before he can start. So yes, this is... Back to the Future mixed with a slasher. They even mentioned Back to the Future by name. It's never been happened. Never happened before. Somebody likes time travel movie and references Back to the Future. (laughs) Dare I say they they criticize Back to the Future slightly in here. They talk about certain things in time travel that Back to the Future got wrong. I thought, oof, blasphemy. Time travel is not real. (laughs) It doesn't exist. (laughs) So that's one thing they got wrong. You wouldn't just disappear in the picture. It's all made up. <laughs> so, yes, this is a horror comedy. Uh, if you've seen the the poster, the one sheet, if you will, it's a guy in a mask. Kind of looks like a like a dude, bro. <laughs> How would you describe that mask? You've seen the mask. Uh, the knife. He's got an earring. Yes, he does look a bit like a like in late bro. 80s dude, bro, right? It's got blonde hair. Yeah, he's got the big teeth and the blonde hair. (laughs) Julie Bowen plays Kieran Shipka's mother. And when she was in high school in the late 80s, three other kids were murdered. And then the killer vanished. Of course, there's very popular serial-like podcasts that discuss it. And there's tours that take place in town in uh, 2022, 2023. Obviously, the, the true crime angle. Everyone shows up to the the tour with a with a mask on, and everyone in, in the town on Halloween. A lot of them dress up as the killer because nobody's sensitive to, <laughs> to all the victims in town because <laughs> it's supposed it to be so. kind of a small town. So, but it's only three. You know, only three people died, but the killer strikes again in twenty twenty two. It's kind of loose in their uh, explanation of how time travel is possible. It's basically just another girl's science project. So I'm going to make a time machine out of this because my mom, she was close. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm going to get there. And then oddly enough, Kieran Shipka's chased by the killer into the time machine and uh, a stab from his knife makes the machine work because it like goes through the pan- the control panel. Electricity starts shooting everywhere and gets it to work 
That's all it needed. Just a knife mm-hmm. just through the circuit. <laughs> yeah. It needed another metal conductor is what it needed. The, the, the missing ingredients. Mm-hmm. Bit of a fish out of water. You know, they're, they're kind of doing the jokes of, you know, how things in the 80s wouldn't fly these days and whatnot. A bit of woke comedy, I guess. They just thrown f bombs left and right. Uh no, actually, well, that, now that would be funny if they just go back and everybody just call each should. other. <laughs> Especially late eighties was very <laughs> f word heavy. Yes, even in the kids' movies. <laughs> Watch the Monster Squad or Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. <laughs> Bill and Ted calls the devil a fag. <laughs> <laughs> the good old days. But um, they didn't go too heavy in the wokeness or message. It, it seemed like they were genuinely just trying to have fun. So I had fun with it. I thought there was at least one, if not two, really good sequences that had some real tension. And it was a good soundtrack. I'm always a fan of 80s soundtracks. Uh, this is a pretty good one. It didn't do the typical, the, ty- the tired and true 80s songs. It probably didn't have the budget for those. Yeah. But it picks some good ones. And um, yeah, I would recommend this. I will give it an eventually. Eventually. Go have fun with a slasher movie. You're already paying for Prime, so you might as well watch a movie, right? Brett, mm. you got to get your money's worth. I know. I, I need to fit that in. It's been very popular on my uh, letterboxed, the people I follow on there, to mixed results. But many, many yeah. people are watching it. I've seen a lot of people just praising it like it's... Just a great film. Like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. It was fun. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to go out and buy it on Blu-ray, if it's even available. Ooh, killing physical media. Fuck you, Best Buy. Got to get your Best Buy stuff before they stop selling it. <laughs> get that 2018 Steelbook exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My first movie here from 2023. And I might still be watching it. I don't know. It's called Killers of the Flower Moon. Mm. It's a Martin Scorsese picture. Excuse you, Martin Scorsese? <laughs> Martin Scorsese? It's a movie by Martin Scorsese. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Lily Gladstone, Jesse Plemons, my boy, uh, Tantu Cardinal, John Lithgow, Brendan Fraser, Kara Jade Myers, Janae Collins, Jillian uh, Dion, Sturgill Simpson. There's there's a lot of characters. This movie is very long. The synopsis is: When oil was discovered in 1920s Oklahoma under the Osage Nation land. The Osage people are murdered one by one until the FBI steps in to unravel the mystery. I tell you what, Jesse Plemons shows up about two hours and 20 minutes into this movie as the FBI investigator. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not that long, but it, it was it was at least halfway through when he got there. So it is three hours and 26 minutes. It does feel very long. It's kind of a, a bit of a... It's it's not the fastest paced movie. It's very kind of uh, you know settles and kind of takes its time telling the story. So I, I think they could have probably trimmed it down at least to a, re- a more reasonable uh, run time. 
uh, and this is the second movie in a row where Scorsese has done that, where it's like, dude, you gotta, you gotta hire an editor. <laughs> I mean, this is <laughs> this is too much. Of course, the Irishman being the last one. Having said that, like the rest of the movie is probably the best Scorsese movie since maybe The Departed, uh, in my opinion. Of course, I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of Wolf of Wall Street, like a lot of people are. What? As you challenged me to watch that one time. Did he not have fun with the Wolf of Wall Street? Um, uh, trying to see if anything else he's done recently. Uh, Hugo, <laughs> like Silence was was like technically very good, but another one that was difficult to get through. I really like uh, Silence a lot. I think I've watched it three, three, four times already. Silence, like there was, like it was another one where it's like very technically uh, great, but there are times where it's like, man, I feel like he's torturing me as much as Andrew Garfield's getting tortured by the Japanese. Aren't you a, a man of faith, Brett? It felt like he was testing my faith to see if I would stick with the movie. You were brought up times. in a very Christian household, didn't you not... Uh get a little more out of it than than people who are not i i appreciate not in the know. i appreciate that movie it's just it was there's times where it was tough to to get through it shutter island uh, hugo i didn't see um nobody did let's see the nobody departed. over the age of 12 yeah so so this is probably my favorite scorsese movie since the departed um of course you know, like I said, the runtime is a is a real kind of a sticking point. But like the it looks great, the direction is great. Robert De Niro is probably as good as he's been in anything I've seen him in for maybe 20 years. He showed up and he was like, I'm gonna act really, really good for this movie. And <laughs> like he hasn't done that in a long time. So um kudos to, to scorsese for getting that out of him um dicaprio plays kind of a simpleton in here which he doesn't go full retard like he did in what's eating gilbert grape but he's just <laughs> like he's just like slightly under the uh you know the 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 line there uh mrs gump your boy forrest is right under the line here he's, he's just a tad <laughs> Under the line, um, although props to him for for acting the shit out of a character who uh, actually says he likes big women, and uh, <laughs> and then throw up saying that line. Um, so so good for him. No, he'd only throw up if they said she was twenty six. <laughs> I think I can't remember how old because she. Because because the Lily Gladstone is the woman that he ends up marrying in the movie. Uh, she's the actor who plays the character that he marries, and uh, like at the beginning of the movie, she kind of like runs down like her, uh, well, like a bunch of different characters who died at various ages, and I can't remember how old she said she was at the beginning of. She was like twenty three or twenty five, but I, I guess she would have fallen right into that. Just barely underneath that twenty-six-year-old limit, mm -hmm. but I I don't know how old like DiCaprio is supposed to be either because he's just getting back from World War One, 
or World War Two. I must be World War One. Uh, he was a chef in the army, and he's just back from the war. But like, he's like fifty years old, and he looks the same throughout the whole movie. Even though like it progresses, like the he meets her, and then uh, they get married, and they have like three kids, and then like she gets sick, and so there's not a lot of age progression there in the, mm. their looks, but like time wise, like it's, it's decades where sure. it, it, it extends over. Um, Jesse Plummins, I keep making fun of his line in the, uh, the trailer, you know, I'm here to see about the murders. Let's see who's doing them. Uh, in context, it was much, much more effective because DiCaprio, he's, He's involved in some of that stuff, and so he he doesn't want uh, the investigator to come talk to his wife about it, and so he's being kind of shady about letting him in, and he's like, oh, you come back later, and all this shit, but it works a lot better in context of the movie, mm. but, you know, it, like, people have, uh, I see a lot of criticism that, you know, Marty went woke, and that's why nobody's going to see the movie. I mean, it doesn't feel like he's kneeling to the uh, the Native Americans in this movie. It's, it seems pretty pretty straightforward the way he's telling the story. And in fact, most of the story is told from the side of uh, DiCaprio and De Niro's characters. So uh, you kind of see it from their side and then like the consequences of the actions. One thing that... Uh, the, also was kind of strange to me was how it ended i don't know you could cut this out if it's too much of a spoiler but uh well don't spoil it for me <laughs> well it's it's not really anything to do with the story it's like how they're how he's telling it but it's not really a spoiler but at the end after they have like you know the whole events of the movie it suddenly uh, becomes a true crime old-timey radio play and they kind of do an epilogue of reading what happens to each of the characters after the events of the movie mm. but like it's not framed that way at all during the rest of the movie so it kind of comes out of nowhere and it, it yeah. feels kind of out of place and scorsese himself is one of the the play actors or readers or whatever you want to call it mm. and it, it's it seemed very strange but Anyways, having said that, the, so there's a couple of, of things that, uh, so the runtime and then that the ending part were kind of negatives, but the rest of the movie is really good. Um, so I was kind of on the on the fence a little bit, but I, I'm going to give it a, a soonish. Soonish. Just barely. Okay. I saw a film at the theater from 2023, The Creator. Directed by Gareth Edwards, starring John David Washington, Madeline Yuna, Gemma Chan, Allison Janney, Ken Watanabe, Sturgill Simpson. Hey, he was in my movie. Mm. Amar Shada Patel, Mark uh, Menchaka. Synopsis Against the backdrop of a war between humans and robots. With artificial intelligence, a former soldier finds a secret weapon, a robot in the form of a young child. 
Oh, just real quick. Did you see that Joe Biden saw the new Mission Impossible and now he's even more <laughs> afraid of AI? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> like, the, the report of the account was by some dude who watched it with him. Like, I was there with Biden. We watched Mission Impossible. <laughs> Dead Reckoning Part 1. And, you know, it's not like he wasn't, you know, wary of AI before, but, I mean... Especially after he's very much afraid of AI. <laughs> why would why would they report that? Uh, but you know what? Beforehand, it was like AI. I you know I don't really give a shit about AI. Like who cares about that? But now we we need to keep our eye on this thing. It's Maybe it's bad robot trying to get some more juice for the movie and it's in its release. <laughs> like the well, the president's watching this. You know, <laughs> this is something everyone needs to see. Every American needs to be aware of AI and its capabilities. It's suddenly an important movie, <laughs> which is a genre on its own. Think about JFK. You know, he liked, uh, I forget, is it if he watched uh, From Russia with Love and, and really enjoyed that, you know, not long before he met his demise? I was thinking yeah. of Ronald Reagan and his Star Wars. Mr. Reagan, are we getting a Star Wars system? Oh, we're getting a Star Wars <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't want to jump the gun and say Biden's going to make a whole like policy decision based off of the movie, but it's starting to sound a little like <laughs> it if he's worried about AI because of Mission Impossible. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they'll start regulating tech companies and whatnot. I don't know. You know, they're always asking Obama what he's been watching and stuff. Nobody asked Trump what he was watching. Nobody gave a shit, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure people, some, you know, half the country cared, but where know, does the, Obama find the time to watch all these TV shows and movies? And, read all those books. Uh, read all them books and fall college basketball so he could do the brackets in March. Yeah. People like, well, ESPN were the brackets, but, you know, HuffPo and all these other news organizations are like, we got to find out what Obama's been watching and then push that on the public. They'd never ask Trump what the hell he's watching or, you know, before I remember when Obama came in and he started doing the, the, all the, the basketball picks. I'm like, is ESPN just being low key racist right now? Like, why are they asking Obama for his basketball picks? Cause he's black. So they got to ask him for his president. March madness bracket. Yeah. I always thought that was weird. And they just did it every year with him. Cause they never was... asked Bush, like, what's your bracket picks Bush. And like, he was, that was at a time where, you know, the media didn't have, you know, uh, they weren't as biased. <laughs> they weren't, uh, they weren't as openly biased. They didn't have as much vitriol for the, yes, the sitting presidents. <laughs> of course, you know, after Bush left office, the, like, Ellen's like, come on the show and show us your stupid little paintings. <laughs> Everybody's there. He was there like multiple times. Well, remember when Ellen went to the football game with him and everybody's like, fuck Ellen. We're going to find a way to get her out of here. And then they did. Uh, took a while, but yeah, they got her out. Did you ever yeah. see the the Lavelle Crawford stand up where he was talking about Donald Trump was the real first black president? I don't think so. That's the one where he's kind of skinny. He's skinnier. He lost weight. Yeah I, I, yeah, I think it was after he had lost uh, a bunch of weight. It was a uh, it was a Showtime special where it was like uh, it was like Lavelle Crawford home for the holidays or something, and he did mm -hmm. like an hour where he would like 
like every joke was related to a holiday and then like <laughs> president's day he was talking about how trump was like the real first black president <laughs> should ask him for his picks it is it's it's five of the funniest minutes of stand-up i've ever seen it's fucking hilarious <laughs> All right, back to the creator. Real quick. How do we how do we know we got off in that tangent? The creator. AI. We were talking AI. about AI. <laughs> Not yeah. Alan Iverson, like in the Peacock commercial. Correct. Yeah, with the creator, you know, there's certain there's elements of the story that have been done before. It's it's a bit derivative, but I thought they it had a fresh spin, I guess if you want to call it that. The the production design was unique. I really like the look of everything, the technology, the basically its vision of the future. It was, you know, every every time you see a sci-fi film of the dystopian future, it's it's a little similar to you know, everything goes back to Blade Runner, right? And before Blade Runner, there was, you know, four other things, Metropolis and what have you. But I thought there was enough unique production design and ideas that it set it apart enough, especially with AI. It, it was a very similar storyline. It was almost like, you know, they just didn't call them replicants. Like, we got to get rid of these AI robots, mm-hmm. but we can't call them replicants. So it's just, <laughs> just the robots. But yeah, John David Washington, he also gets a little grief from time to time. We're like, well, he's no Denzel. It's like, well, <laughs> nobody's Denzel except Denzel. <laughs> and there's very few people I would name as actors better than him. He used to be my favorite actor ever yeah. I mean, when I was young. Right around Training Day. I think I was a junior when Training Day came out. And he was my favorite actor at the time. But he had a really good run. Right. He the did. Like 90s and 2000s. And he doesn't make too much shit like De Niro does nowadays. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you talked about he's made a comeback with Killers of the Flower Moon. But it's like, you know, people don't take him seriously because every time you see him, he's standing next to Zac Efron or fucking Anne Hathaway or some shit. And you're like, what the fuck is he doing? The war with grandpa. <laughs> the intern. <laughs> well, he, he's done several bad grandpa movies. He, he just did the one with Sebastian Maniscalco. Oh, yeah. That's where right. It's just a bunch of Italian stereotypes. I had repressed that movie. You know? So, I mean, well, nobody saw it. <laughs> I I saw it. Everyone told me it was going to be big because Sebastian's such a huge stand-up star. Everyone watches him on Netflix. He's literally the biggest uh, stand-up comedian in the world uh, today. That's what they tell me. But I had never heard of him. Uh, I think he hosted some MTV show, uh, award show, like three or four years ago. They're like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah, he's pretty... the biggest comedian in the world. Says who? I can admire parts of his act and his, I guess his approach to it, but it's kind of a struggle to get through. You're just like, ugh, I don't, I don't like the shtick. Yeah, but well, if it's anything like the movie, it's gonna be terrible. Yeah, I do think John David Washington was was good in here. I thought he was good in Tenet. You know, I don't think this was like an Oscar worthy performance, but I thought he was very solid. I think the creator is the first time that I thought that he sounded like Denzel. They're definitely right away in the beginning. He's, he yells something. I'm like, that's Denzel. 
<laughs> yeah, this is the first time he really sounds like his dad. Like he he generally doesn't, but like yeah, there's, there's just with the voice, stuff. not like with his performance or anything. It just right, like just you sound like, like your dad. <laughs> the inflection and, and uh, yeah. yeah, he's not as charismatic as his father, of course, but he's charismatic enough to carry a movie. I thought he was fine about ten in this. Those are the two biggest things I've seen him in. I never saw Amsterdam, which I heard was you know not good Amster- by everyone. Amsterdam sucked. And I don't think he even carries that. It's probably supposed to be Christian Bale that carries it, but no, that movie sucks. Yeah. Uh, anywho, I, I I thought the performances all around were great. Uh, the child actor, let's see, what's the name? Because I think it was her first film, the the one that plays the child. Yes. She was fantastic. She steals the movie. Yeah, the Madeline Yuna Voiles as Alfie. This is her only credit. Uh, the chemistry with John David Washington was very good. The visuals, the special effects were spectacular, especially for a, this is kind of a lower budget sci-fi from what I read. You know, this isn't a $250 million movie. This is like a one ish type sci-fi, a lower budgeted sci-fi. But I didn't notice it at all. Maybe they got that with the cast, but they have to pay John David as much, Alice and Janney and what have you. Mm-hmm. but everyone was great there's a couple of scenes that were just very haunting to me there was like there was a scene here that was like the scariest shit i've seen in a couple of years i thought it had some fresh ideas just love the way it looked everything about it i just i just loved it can't praise it enough i will highly recommend this one of the best of the year i've seen so far i will give it a soonish soonish yes i agree with soonish but i I think you like it slightly more than I do. Yeah, I, th- but, I gave it four and a half on Letterboxd. But, but I agree with your assessment. It's every every element you've seen before, but they, they managed to make it feel fresh and new. Mm-hmm. And uh, it looks terrific. My next movie, another 2023 movie, Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> Peacock, uh, though. Well, it was in theaters. And it is also on Peacock. Uh, directed by Emma Tammy, starring Josh Hutcherson, Piper Rubio, Elizabeth Lale, Matthew Lillard, Mary Stuart Masterson, uh, Kat Connor Sterling, David Lind, Christian Stokes, Joseph Poliquin. Uh, summary, a troubled security guard begins working at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza during his first night on the job. He realizes that the night shift won't be so easy to get through. Pretty soon he will unveil what actually happened at Freddy's. So uh, this is apparently based on a video game or a series of video games. Apparently they're very popular with people slightly younger than me, but I totally mo- missed the boat on it. And uh, my only uh, experience with Freddy's prior to this really was seeing merchandise at like Target or FYE or stores like that and wondering what the hell is this shit? Because it was everywhere. And I never really found out um, until seeing this movie. And um, I don't fully understand the obsession with it. I never got into it either it's, it's very the video it's, game 
I guess it's very like Gen Z uh type of like but it's like, been like, around forever though. Has it been around for like 20 years? I don't know when it first came out cuz I I didn't hear about it at all. Nobody I knew talked about it ever. My brother's kids I guess were into it. Uh as my 10-year-old niece said, there's a whole lore about it, bro. Um <laughs> I guess the first video game was released on August 8th, 2014. So yeah. Yeah, I think it was something been, else of yeah. like 20 years ago. I would have been out of college a few years by then. What was that N64 game that was supposed to be like like a raunchy humor, but also like horror element? You know um, what I'm talking about? That sounds familiar. It was almost like it had damn near the same name. Not Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> um, Conquer's Bad Fur Day. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah this different, is different. But... This is different. So I, I think the the games were inspired by some like uh internet uh what do they call them creepy pastas <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah things like that so it's 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 kind of bizarre like the more they unravel the story the more like bizarre and by bizarre I mean dumb it gets <laughs> like it's so basically this guy takes a job at this uh it's it's like a Chuck E. Cheese style restaurant where they have an animatronic band of uh, characters, animal characters, but it's been closed. Uh, the movie takes place, and the the restaurant's been closed since the eighties because several children went missing from the restaurant and nobody could find them. But the owner is uh, sentimental and doesn't want to close it, so he hires a security guard to make sure nobody breaks in. But uh, so there, there's quite a bit around that premise, but also about half of the movie revolves around the security guard's dreams uh, and his attempts to remember uh, the person who abducted his brother when they were children. And then there's a uh, a custody battle over the security guard uh, having custody of his uh 10 year old niece or maybe 12 year old niece or not niece uh sister his 12 year old sister mm. uh who is his aunt wants custody of her but not really and just wants the money but he needs the job so he can keep her and so anyways there's like a bunch of different stuff going on and it's i don't know it's kind of muddled and it's not like it's never really scary uh i don't know if it's supposed to be but like there's not a lot of tension there. So like I said, I don't really understand the obsession with it. Mm. Uh, I'll give it props for trying something a little bit different. Props. Uh, mm. I haven't heard you say that since 2008. <laughs> give it some props. <laughs> uh, so anyway, yeah, give it some props for trying something a little bit different. It's not all like jump scares and shit like that. And mm. But it's not a wholly original either. So um, obviously there there was a movie two or three years ago called Wally's Wonderland, which was a very similar premise, which probably ripped off the game Freddy's Five Nights at Freddy's. And now it feels like the movie Five Nights at Freddy's right. is ripping off Wally's Wonderland. I yeah. remember when Wally's came out and they said like, oh, it's it's like Five Nights at Freddy's. This is going to be great. 
That was like a selling point from from people who saw it. Yeah, and we're both excited. Movies. About it. I, I think both movies are equally mediocre. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, if you're a fan, I think you'll. I assume you'll like this movie. It seems very popular with the younger audience. I saw some headline that said like 94% of people who saw it in the theater over the weekend, uh, opening weekend, were under 35, uh, which I believe. Um, but for us older folks, it's a uh, it's a last resort, and it might be a bit of a hit and miss, mm-hmm. uh, depending on who you are. Um it was more of a miss for me than I had. That's a last resort. Okay. Well, I'm going to talk about a movie from 2008 that I saw. Bought it sight unseen. Used for $4. Those are phone prices. Mama Mia. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> no, that's the sequel. I still <laughs> got to see the sequel. The sequel. <laughs> from 2018, Mama Mia, here we go again. Mamma Mia, the Mauro uh, Ronaldo uh, story. That was his name, right? Mauro Ronaldo. <laughs> getting that name right. Or who? The the wrestler. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, not the wrestler, the wrestling commentator. Well, commentator. I'm not going to know. You're the wrestling guy. Mauro Ronaldo, yes. He, he used, <laughs> that was his catchphrase. Mamma Mia! <laughs> <laughs> Do you know they had a Lady Bird movie coming out that's actually about Lady Bird Johnson? Oh, really? <laughs> really? Is it going to be uh, one word? Is it separated into two? Uh, I forget. I just saw it on like the coming soon <laughs> on the AMC app. Greta Gerwig's going to file a copyright claim. People are going to go think it's the sequel to her movie. Like what the? <laughs> okay, uh, Mama Mia was directed by Felita Lloyd. This film stars Amanda Seyfried, Stellan Skarsgård, Pierce Brosnan. Seyfried. Seyfried? What? I've always heard Seyfried. Is it Seyfried? I've never heard Seyfried ever. I've never heard uh, Seyfried. Really? Are you thinking of uh, Seyfried and Roy? (laughs) No. I'm not. (laughs) Uh, Colin Firth. Heather Emanuel, Rachel McDowell, Meryl Streep, Julie Walters, Christine Baranski, Dominic Cooper. What is this? The Lady of the Lady Bird Diaries. Hmm. The documentary. So is this uh you know, every president gets their biographer, right? Supposedly follows them around or knows everything about him and writes those books later. Yeah. Does the first lady have one? I don't know. It says it's based on her audio diaries to tell the story of one of the most influential and least understood first ladies. Mm. Like, did you know your husband is whipping his wang out and pissing on the podium while giving speeches in public? Did she know her husband had JFK killed? <laughs> the CIA's help? That's a good question. Allegedly. I should say that for legal purposes. Allegedly. With the help of George H.W. Bush. <laughs> yeah. Was he? He wasn't running the CIA by that time yet, was he? See, I didn't think he was running the CIA until I don't know if he was late seventies, but I think he was in it. I think, yeah, I think he was was. involved somehow, some way. That's always been my contention. It was George or uh, Lyndon Johnson orchestrated it. 
If you look up the JFK assassination skit from one of these kids you know, there is a <laughs> fact check on the video on YouTube. Oh, really? <laughs> Community notes. <laughs> like JFK and Lee Harvey Oswald did not, in fact, duet right before he got <laughs> shot. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> okay. I think I got through enough of the cast of Mamma Mia. I'm going to go to the synopsis. The story of bride-to-be trying to find her real father told using hit songs by the popular 1970s group ABBA. So, over the past couple of months, I have become a massive ABBA fan. And I guess I'd always known of ABBA. Like, okay, I'd always, you know, I knew Dancing Queen, heard they were big in the disco era, mom loved them, that sort of a thing. and knew all that. That was basically the only song I knew. Like, oh, that's ABBA. Like I had heard Waterloo and probably take a chance on me before, but maybe didn't know that that was ABBA. But I definitely didn't know that Mamma Mia was A, an ABBA song, and B, a musical (laughs) created using ABBA's catalog of songs. So I didn't know this was, I mean, I knew it was a hit musical. You you must have had your head in the sand because that was the number one selling point. Well, so I don't remember ever seen like on a poster like abba anything i remember it the movie was a big hit after the the stage production had been a big hit for at least a year or two i just figured this was another in a long line of you know it seems like every year or two you get one or two musicals that were just popular you know hamilton whatever's the flavor of the year flavor of the month mm-hmm. whatever middle-aged women are going to buy it their one movie ticket a year to that's what they're showing. So I figured it was just some stupid. I had heard the the story because the, the trailer was there. It was, I don't know who my dad is. My mom was a huge whore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try and find out who it is. And it's one of these three guys. Pierce Brosnan, Stellan Skarsgård, or Colin Firth. And then Maury Povich shows up at the end for no reason. <laughs> yeah. no, I, I wish, but. Spoilers. <laughs> This would be on my list of like top 10 movies I would never want to see. Like if I compiled a list, you asked me one year ago, I had absolutely no interest in this film. And I actually like musicals uh, from time to time. Uh, I really enjoy them sometimes. Um, if I'm in the mood, I could really get behind a musical. I loved La La Land or some other ones I've seen recently. Oh, I watched <laughs> Rock of Ages not too long ago. Maybe like a half a year ago. It's not good, but I did enjoy it very much. <laughs> a lot of 80s, uh, you know, glam rock and whatnot. But uh, a similar, I guess, opinion of Mamma Mia, but exponentially better. With Mamma Mia, some of the connections with the, I guess, the reasoning behind the songs and the, the plot, it's a bit contrived, but no more than other musicals of contemporary cinema i'd say i love the songs of course now luckily abba does not feature many songs with vocals from a male Uh benny and bjorn they're usually singing backup or if they're kind of singing lead it's it's only like one or two songs Uh, they were kind of more behind the compositions and the lyrics so uh, you listen to abba it's it's the two girls singing which is good because Colin Firth and Brosnan and Skarsgård cannot sing a lick. They're fucking awful. 
Russell Crowe puts them to shame. If you watch Les Miserables, he puts them to shame. So that's saying something. But Amanda Seyfried, if you will, she has a, a real genuine voice. I thought she sang great. And Meryl Streep, she's in her late 50s. This is 08 when this came out. And she still had the charm to carry a film and uh, wasn't dragged down by all the baggage of her later years and insufferable moments that I've had to witness at various award ceremonies and, and whatnot. Well, I don't want to break up the meeting or nothing, but she's something of a cunt, ain't she, Doc? Oh, by, by 08, I ain't her already. <laughs> Such a phony baloney. <laughs> it's a Meryl Streep. I didn't hate her yet in 08. But she uh, she carries the charm in here. So I think ABBA's music works really well in a musical. Some of their songs sound like show tunes. A lot of it's very theatrical. Yeah, I just had a hell of a time. Uh, I enjoyed it probably more than I would ever admit. <laughs> like I would, I would give this movie five stars if a couple of things changed. A, my favorite song, "Gimme, Gimme, Gimme." They kind of glossed over it. They used it as a like a background instrumental in the beginning, and then they did do a song. Did, but it was only like a couple of minutes, and they they, they kind of take breaks in and out of it, like going in and out of the song. They didn't do that song justice, I thought. And then there was, I don't know, dozens of cringy moments that I just overlooked. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't so bad. It was just, you know, that the typical middle-aged humor that it was just kind of like rolling my eyes a little bit, but it's okay because there's an ABBA song every five minutes. Jo- jokes for women. I always hit. Jokes for women in their late fifties. <laughs> you know, the audience is, I mean, for these musicals, it's always middle age, but you know, this is for people like ABBA and ABBA's popular in the seventies. So mm-hmm. do the math. That's all yes. older women. It made me feel like I was going to, like if I watched book club, it would be the same <laughs> humor and book club two what it was it called the next chapter what the fuck was that called i didn't even know they made a a first book club and then here comes the second one book club chapter two or whatever the hell it was the next chapter what what happened to the first one you know working at the theater i gotta see the trailer sometimes and so i was just like oh my god just like you i was like i had no idea there was a book club one but you know it's it's jane fonda and Mary Steenburgen and um, other girl, uh, Lily Tomlin. Uh, and uh, Candace, Candace Bergen. Candace Bergen. Yeah. There was even pre-shows. There was interviews with them uh, marketing the movie. So it was like, I'm cleaning the theaters and I'm listening to an interview with this. And they're talking about nine to five. And then they start talking <laughs> about book club and. Oh, like it was a franchise. You know, it's a franchise now. It's two. Yeah. They're talking about how the characters have changed since the first one, and they really liked how they handled this character. I'm like, what the? This isn't. This isn't the Godfather parts one and two. Okay, this is Book Club, one and two. It's like the premise of Book Club two was, uh, was it Don Johnson gets engaged to Jane Fonda, and so Jane Fonda. And her book club friends go to Italy and sexually harass <laughs> the Italian men. I don't know, but they kept on making a joke about somebody having sex in a, yeah, what was it, a gondola or something, or a boat, or a in a in an alleyway or something. Like somebody's one of the four seventy-year-old women is a huge whore or something. 
You know, they're all like 80, really. They're uh, Steen version is probably around 70, but Fonda is over 80, right? Well, it's two of them were an 80 for Brady. So <laughs> <laughs> if we go by that, if we go by film titles, they're over 80. And, and Lily Tomlin was working yeah. 95 in the early 80s. So Lily Tomlin was old in the early 80s. <laughs> yeah. It was like 50 when that nine to five came out. She's like, I want to be a, a manager. Like, do you, you're told to work your period. <laughs> <laughs> not, not during your period, work your period, your period, which you no longer have. <laughs> <laughs> Go home and fix your garage door opener. Old lady. <laughs> oh. She had high school kids in that movie. <laughs> smoking pot with her yeah but uh, i'll try and steer back to mama mia because you still got to talk about edge of the axe yes i'm looking at these great uh, song titles on the soundtrack honey honey money mm-hmm. money money yep gimme 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 mm-hmm. i do i do i do i do <laughs> i do <laughs> sure very very creative song titles <laughs> yeah i wrote a, a very long review well, long for what I usually do on Letterboxd. And uh, I posted it. I, I watched this with a couple of uh, martinis, which also probably helped my experience. But I think I submitted the re- the review around 2 a.m.-ish or between 2 and 3. The witching hour. Okay. <laughs> is that where the witching hour is? The witching hour is 2 p.m. on Sundays. <laughs> on, on NFL Red Zone. <laughs> but uh i shared it on x and i uh, prefaced it by you know basically saying uh posted it at this late hour so nobody sees it i could have just not posted it but i i guess uh subconsciously i wanted people to know how good of a time they'll have if they just watch mama mia and get into abba's music but i kind of prefaced it with the the concessions i was making with the film and I got a, a, a very good comment from uh, Jameson Leopold Scotch. You ever correspond with him? I think he follows me. I don't, I don't know if I yeah. follow him. Well, he should. He's a good follow. Mutual with uh, followers with Stags and Deer and John and Zolly and Walter. But he had a very good point. Let's see if I can find it here. He replied immediately. So he must have been up doing something at the witching, <laughs> the witching hour. <laughs> Sometimes I think those guys are just waiting for us to post. <laughs> okay, here it is. So my tweet said, sharing this in the wee hours in the morning to save face and stave off some embarrassment. Just couldn't help myself with this one. Four stars. And he replied, charming cast, catchy tunes. It's okay to like things. And you know what? Damn it. It is okay to like <laughs> things. And I will not take any begrudgment or uh, I will not take any the word i'm looking for any gruff i don't know uh, <laughs> gruff no don't take any shit i don't know that's not good either but suffice it to say it is okay to like things and i fucking love mama mia okay Be confident. Be confident. okay who knows it and i'm gonna go watch mama mia here we go again maybe be a little disappointed because it's kind of like well you did all the all the good songs. <laughs> so what what's left? 
Although there was a couple that was like, I'm surprised they didn't do this one. So I did look at uh, the song listing for the sequel. They do some of the songs again, and then some other ones that they didn't in the first one. So I will at least get that. And, you know, I, I bought the ABBA gold collection, which is like the greatest hits uh-huh. a couple of months ago. And I, I was, you know, listening to that over and over again. And then I found there was another album called more ABBA. More Abba Gold. It was like a white thing. It was just like, here's more of their hits. Where it's like, well, we kind of already gave you all their hits, but here's a few more that people like. So I've been listening to that as well. And uh, there was some songs on there that were they were in Mamma Mia. So I'm sure a bunch of them are in. Here we go again. So, all right, I'm excited for that. All right, I'll get off my soap box for Mamma Mia, Soonish. It's a WTM Soonish. Go out and see it Soonish. Soonish. If not for its few flaws, you know, I overlooked the old woman humor. <laughs> but um, yeah, go out and see Mamma Mia. Have fun with it. Enjoy musicals. All right. So, yes, I challenge you to watch Edge of the Axe. Yes. Late 80s slasher. It was not filmed in the U.S. From 1988, Edge of the Axe. Alfilo del Hacha is the original title. Which I believe translates to the Philly of the Hatchet. No, it probably means the edge of the axe. (laughs) (laughs) Directed by Jose Ramon Larraz as Joseph Brownstein. (laughs) (laughs) Had to get in with them Hollywood uh, elites. Spanish Jew, never seen one before. No comment. Uh, it stars Barton Fox, uh, Christina Marie Lane, Paige Mosley, as Richard Simmons. I didn't know his last name was Simmons in the movie. Uh, Fred Holiday, Patty Shepard, uh, Alicia Morrow, Jack Taylor. Uh, Conrado San Martin, Joy Blackburn, May Har- May Heatherly, Elmer Maudlin. And the synopsis is, an axe murderer terrorizes a small Northern California mountain community while two young computer-obsessed adults attempt to solve the killings. I did, I did kind of enjoy that they threw the computers in there. And uh, they're like, I'll just, I'll hook it up to the central terminal and then we can, you know, have all the answers and talk to each other anytime we want. It's like, it's before the internet, but this is also the internet. I thought that was kind of interesting. The rest of it, not terribly original. Uh, it's very much like uh, kind of almost every other slasher movie. You get, you know, the kind of random kills, and then you got to try to figure out who the killer is. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say the ending caught me a little bit by surprise. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I don't know if that was, uh, if they were cheating or not. Maybe we'll talk about that in spoilers. Mm-hmm. But uh, the sheriff is really bad at his job. Doesn't. <laughs> You know. Wrote that note as a, a continuing uh, theme from the rest of our movies from the horror extravaganza. Just just basically refuses to investigate anything. 
And it's it's also the same as uh you know, gotta keep this quiet, everything's an accident. Just sew yeah. her up and put her in the ground. <laughs> well, you want to respect her wishes to you know just be dead, so let's not look <laughs> into it. Also, like there's a character, well, there's a scene earlier in the, in, in the movie where the axe murderer goes to a pig farm and uh spooks the uh the farm wife by uh, chopping a pig's head off and putting it in her bed. Mm-hmm. And then her husband goes to the police station uh, to report it, and the cop's like, I don't know what you want me to do about it. <laughs> like, were you sweet on that pig or something? I, I don't <laughs> yeah. understand what, what the problem is. Yeah, he basically uh, starts calling them slurs, like gay slurs, and like, oh, you probably just fucking that pig, huh? Then he, then he gives you know him what? a dime, and he says, here's a dime. Call somebody who cares. <laughs> <laughs> what definitely the running of worst sheriff or you know authority figure in charge so, so there's some fun stuff there um <laughs> but yeah like it kind of has these uh different uh storylines about relationships like there's there's this the loner named Gerald who fixes electronics and he's a computer whiz and he starts dating. I was confused because like they go to this like tavern and there he's gonna meet his his friend who's a, an exterminator is gonna meet the guy who runs the tavern who's hanging out with the that guy's wife who's much older than him. And then he's trying to hook up with that guy's daughter. And then he sends his friend inside and there's another girl there. And she says, I just work here in the summers to help my dad out. So like, I thought they were like sisters, but then later she's like, Oh, my dad is the handyman at the church. And uh, (laughs) like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? I thought you said you worked at the bar to help your dad who owns the bar. But that's not your dad. It's two businesses, I guess. I don't know. They're two or different characters entirely. Two jobs. Oh yeah. <laughs> I was to say the the main girl was the her dad owned the bar because it ends there, right, right outside the bar, right. That's well, where she no, is. When they, she's like, uh, well, that's where she's living above the bar, right. But I thought uh, Neps Nebs was her dad. And Nebs was the handyman at the church. Mm. It might be handyman at the church, but well, I guess the other character is Nebs too. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so I was super confused. Uh, there's one character who's a like the town hooker. <laughs> Her name is Rita Miller, but she's like like really Russian for some reason. Like mm. she's really kind of. Some she's she's almost masculine. Well, Russia is much closer to Italy than California is. Or, sorry, Spain. Yeah, she's got a very heavy like Russian accent for some reason. Anyways, so uh, yeah, it's I mean there's some goofy stuff in here because it's obviously it's a Spanish movie. Uh, they throw in some Americana, you know. Like, hey, do you want a do you want a Coke? Is it cold Coke? <laughs> like no it's warm coke <laughs> um what did you think but, of the score i yeah i, I think it was uh 
I'm trying to think if I noticed it. Very late 80s synth scores. Like, brum, 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 brum. It's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Yeah, I did, I did like it. Um, the 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 actual axe murders are pretty wild because they don't cut away from them, and so it's just like you get full on hacking. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, like three or four different uh, murders where it's just like people getting hacked with an axe, and it's <laughs> it's pretty impressive. Like it's like yeah. how they they don't cut away from it. Uh, pretty brutal too. Um, so that was a plus. But yeah, like I don't think there's enough in here to make it a must watch. It's fun uh, if you're into the genre. So I'm going to give it a last resort, but it's mm. it's a higher end last resort. It's a last resort. Fair enough. I need to challenge you. Now. You need to challenge me to watch something and then we'll kind of wrap up the show and then we'll talk more about Edge of the Axe with spoilers. So. Is a challenge. We're gonna challenge you to a movie which is in the theaters tonight and tomorrow, which unfortunately I don't think either of us is gonna to get to <laughs> it. Um, but it is Terrifier 2. Yeah. That is available. Well, you have the Blu-ray, right? Or 4K? I have, I have the 4K Ooh. Blu-ray combo. I Dare I say it. Zolly does not have it. I have not seen a picture on Zolly's Twitter that Terrifier 2 is in. And it's got to be the only one he doesn't have. Been out for a while. What's he What's he waiting for? I don't know. I, I think it might be on Peacock. Um, or it was for a while. Terrifier 1 is on... It might be on Prime. Oh, yeah. It looks like Terrifier 2 is also on Prime Video. Okay. So I was thinking of rewatching the first one. I can lend you that one too. I have the Blu-ray of the first one. But yeah, Terrifier 2. They are uh, unfortunately not being able to see it in the theater. Uh, I don't think I'm going to make it work out. Not going to be able to see the teaser for Terrifier 3 on the big screen just yet. Sure. Which they've announced it's going to be a Christmas movie. Out mm. late next year, 2024. So that could be interesting. So we'll we'll see. But uh I feel like you were lukewarm on Terrifier One. Hopefully, uh Terrifier Two is more to your likings. I think I ended up giving it three stars eventually. So I enjoyed it enough. There's a little more story to the second one. So it's like two hours, isn't it? It's two and a half hours. Two and a half hours. Damn. <laughs> yeah. But it's it, they fill it like it's yeah. uh, it, it's it's worth it. All right, well, Brett, where can people support the show financially by getting some WTM merch and helping to spread the show and its message, which is watch this movie. Go to wtmwatchthismovie.creator-spring.com. It's in the title. Yes, spread the word about the show. We're not affiliated with spread the word to end the word. <laughs> the N-word or end the word? End the word. That's uh, the R word. <laughs> which uh, I kind of want to bring back because it fits so many situations more than like, it does. just euphemisms. Uh, you can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. 
Follow us on X slash Twitter at watch this underscore movie or bread at positively wolf one, which is also his letterboxed profile. Mine is under Eric underscore Mulder. Uh, yeah, please rate and review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, pretty much anywhere you find and listen to podcasts. So Edge of the Axe, I have some more notes written down. Yeah, you mentioned the the murders themselves with the with the chopping. They don't cut away. That was one thing I really liked. And even though there's a couple of kills or or, or shots that it's like, okay, that's a very fake looking axe. Yeah, there's there's other shots that it's like the blood is spraying, the the sound effects are like the thud is really good, like it yeah. all works out really well. It's well after watching it the first time, I was like, I don't you don't really see movies that do that, you know, in pieces in the beginning when he chops his mother in the head, like, <laughs> there was a pretty good sound effect and like a, a visual. It was decent, but it was very quick. You can see that there was a cut too, like a yeah. edit. There was an right. edit. Uh, whereas in this one, it was just like no edits. It, was, it all seemed like it was in frame. Like the camera's just some of times it's just like stationary. It's like a tripod. We're just going to show you everything. I don't. I don't know how they did it because like it was pretty good at like where the axe hit. Like the it would start, you know, oozing blood immediately. Mm-hmm. Like. So however they did it, like, was really well done. Yeah. Um, there was one scene where somebody gets, a, like, a, a hatchet in the back, and then, like, it's just, like, hanging in there, and they're moving, and then they pull it out, and it starts gushing blood. That was pretty sweet, too. Yeah. But, yeah, the special effects were uh, very unique. Uh, it was probably the most unique thing was, like, how they shot the, the axe murders. Couple that with the score, like watch this the first time. The score, I was like, God, this is very dated. This is very much 88. Yeah. It's like late 80s synth, ominous score. Then he brings out the computers. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know what to think of it at you know necessarily at first. I thought it was whatever, just a dated score. And then like you listen to the menu enough. Like I think after I watched it the first time. It's on the menu while I'm looking it up on my phone, on Letterboxd, whatever. Yeah. So I'm hearing that. And if you, the more you hear it, at least for, for me, I the more I liked it. And now I'm like, not obsessed, but like, I really love this score. I think it works really well. Like if it, you feel isolated it from the film and you're like, yeah, hey, check out the score from this film I saw. You'd be like, things garbage. Yeah. <laughs> But I don't know. I think it works really well here, um, especially the I really like those scenes at the farm with the pigs and stuff. Mm-hmm. Both scenes, because yeah, then he comes back later and just kills her. And I'm like, well, I didn't right. do that the first time. Oh, <laughs> well, we should say he, he. not not well, he, she. We should she, say sorry, she, yes. not she. He. Yes. She goes back. Spoilers. It was a. The woman the whole time, yeah. even though I, sometimes it seems like it was a different person in every scene. Yeah, or like this killer is like six foot two or something. There were like a couple scenes where the killer like seemed really short, but other times are it's like, yeah, it, it seemed like a much bigger person than who it's revealed to be. Um, also, that that hooker, uh, Rita Miller, who I mentioned, knew the killer. Uh, because the the killer arranges to meet her 
and uh, she seems to know them. And then the killer puts the mask on before killing poor Rita. Yeah. Of course, Rita also had an accident. She fell under the train. Yeah. And then they joke the the conductor, like the train guy and the the sheriff and one of the deputies start joking about like she'll sleep with anybody that pays her a hundred bucks. Uh, and the the sheriff goes, "It's worth it." Oh, you you've done it? Like, no, I can't afford that on my salary. <laughs> but I've heard. I think you're mistaken, Brad. Didn't you notice that, that was not a a train conductor or a, a worker for the railway, but a Union soldier from the Civil War? <laughs> Are you sure he was on the Union side? Well, he had, he was. I it guess was he was. Dark, it was like the Navy, yeah. you know, the dark Navy, and he had the the hat looked like a, a Union soldier hat. I was like, what the? What movie is this guy in? He looked like he was straight out of eighteen eighty eight. That must have been a Spanish flub, because they're like, oh, the, here's a train conductor hat. Like, no, that's a Civil War <laughs> hat from the eighteen sixties. <laughs> yeah. He seems so out of place. Like, was he? Did he just come back from a reenactment? Like, what's his deal? <laughs> that is not a train conductor hat. I know it's a, it's a similar style. Maybe he worked for the Union Railroad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you probably noticed this about halfway through. Is it just me, or does every guy seem gay? <laughs> like every male character. <laughs> I could see that, yes. But, yeah. To the point where when the main, the lead with Jerry, is that his name? Gerald, get, yeah. Gerald, he gets the, the girl over at his place and they're messing around with this computer and she asks the question, is Gerald gay? I laugh so hard at that. <laughs> she says, don't look. And uh, it comes back, uh, what is it, not enough data or something? <laughs> And he had got on about how this computer is hooked up to the central uh, um, mainframe or something or other. I, I just said it like 20 minutes ago. The the central uh, whatever, uh, it can find the answer to any question. And uh, she's like, okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Don't look, don't look, don't look. This is no, not enough data. What did you ask? I asked if you're gay. <laughs> And then they start making out like that was <laughs> oh, <they're> in. <laughs> so the first time I watched this, I think I was having a few cocktails, and I think I had the itis too. It was, it was late at night because no. I remember seeing the ending, and like I think I was starting to doze off, and then like seeing her kind of grin creepily at the the final shot, like what the hell just happened, you know? Yeah. Like watching it this time. I had completely forgotten that she had, you know, typed that in the computer. I was like, God, everyone seems super gay here. Like they're all acting really gay. And then she goes, I asked if you were gay and I just lost my shit. (laughs) That's what I'm wondering. Honestly, the main character, I I kept thinking of the, uh, the The main woman, uh, not the, not the, not not the the male. Gerald. Gerald reminded me of the uh, pool boy on Seinfeld. Not today, Ramon. <laughs> uh, it's not him. He, the, the guy who played Gerald only has like two acting credits. This is the last one. And then his friend Richard Simmons, who is married to the much older woman for her money. And he just won't shut up about it. <laughs> it's really That's... funny that his last name was Simmons. Though. I didn't, I didn't 
put two and two. I don't think they ever said Richard Simmons in the movie, but I think they referred to his wife as Mrs. Simmons. Sure. Here's a close-up of the Civil War. Yeah, I got it up on IMDb, and there's a... <laughs> Part of the trailer. You know. The trailer is paused on that scene. He's got the big, bushy mustache and the long gray hair. Like, he looks... Like, <laughs> it, like I said, he looks like he's out of 1888. Like <laughs> 1863. Well, no, like, he served 25 years ago for the Union. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> He still wears his uniform because he's got no other clothes. <laughs> no other formal clothes. He's he's talking to a man of the law. He's on the job. He's going to dress for the job. So this also had another trope that you we both discussed in some of the other films. It has the body falling down, jump scare, just like Halloween. Is that trope? Yeah. The beginning in the, in the bar where the decaying body falls down. She was only up there for, they said she was only missing for a week. Could a body decompose that fast? I don't think so. Maybe in that summer heat? She looked like Mrs. Voorhees five years later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there was another instance of the, oh, it's you trope. Yeah. I think that the hooker lady says that to the That was the, killer. yeah. I, I think I just mentioned that one. Yeah. Speaking of the, the one that falls out of the, the ceiling, like, they ruled that a suicide immediately. <laughs> Yeah. It's like she's been hacked with an axe and stuffed in the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Suicide. <laughs> <laughs> the the pig farmer wife that gets killed. That's also a cool scene where she's reaching for the shotgun shells and the axe chops off her fingers. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was really well done. Although I wondered like why didn't she open the pantry door all the way? <laughs> like obviously the killer was standing behind it, but yeah, like she's reaching in blind for her for a shotgun and shells separately. In the beginning, it starts with a woman who actually oddly kind of looks the same as her in the car wash, and she gets killed in the car wash. And the guy, if you watch the trailer, they show it like six times. Mm-hmm. Edge of the axe. They keep on repeating that, and then like the axe through the windshield. Yeah, it reminds me. It's back when windshields were so flimsy, especially in movies. They break right through. They no spider webbing. You know the, the glass wasn't tempered and all that shit. You know, or curved. And I think that was just a movie thing because they. Uh, I think they've been doing the the tempered glass for a long time on the windshields. I was curious about that though. You think they've been doing that since the eighties? Even what I mean, seventies. Seventies. So. I, I got to think no. Seventies or eighties is probably when it started. But in the movies, they always just have that sugar glass in there. Yeah. Just shatters immediately. <laughs> just into a million pieces. But I think that was going back quite a ways. They they started doing it, uh, at least in the windshields, if not the windshields and the back windows. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the side windows even today are like that, because they, they shatter pretty easy. Right. But, yeah, it, it's just a movie thing when they just shatter the the front windshield with with one blow yeah i remember when i first saw it i was kind of lukewarm also had a bit of the itis and i mean i had a good time but i was like well i don't know if i should have spent the full you know 20 or 25 bucks whatever i pay for that arrow Mm blu-ray you know they got great special features on it as well 
but I really liked it a lot better the second time around. I think I bumped it up to a, like a three and a half and a, a strong eventually. There's so many funny moments. And I do generally like the, the score and the, the slashing kills of the, of the axe that you don't usually see in a film. But so yeah, maybe you'll, you'll, you'll watch it a second time and like it more on a rewatch, but could be, could be. It, I mean, it's, I guess that it's, it's, really similar even to the some of the movies we watch like pieces and uh did, did you recognize the two actors from pieces oh the one guy with the mustache looked familiar yes oh he's the um, gay professor in pieces jack taylor another yeah jack taylor it's like john made the comment like any movie jack taylor's in he's gonna play a gay dude you know or at least a closeted gay dude or you know somebody who's thought to be gay who's who's the other one uh the woman um I can't remember if it was the mother from pieces or it wasn't the tennis instructor or anything. Maybe it could have been the secretary, I guess, but I thought maybe it was the mother, but it's funny. Cause like, that was another reason that I was like, God, everybody in this movie is gay. Cause Jack Taylor shows up and you're just like, what is going on? Like every guy here is so strange. Like you could say maybe the sheriff didn't come off, but you know, you can say he's projecting too. <laughs> he's- yeah basically you know calling out everyone else but yeah calling out the farmer may heatherly was the one that was in pieces and what she was she uh, mrs reston so she was the mother in the beginning that gets hacked up reston what was the dean's name the dean is just the dean mm. <laughs> uh yeah she was probably the mother at the beginning but yeah, Jack Taylor shows up and I was just like, oh God, everyone in this movie. <laughs> and like there's the funny, there's the funny back and forth between the landlord and Gerald, the old guy that he's bringing clothes for and old man Brock. Yeah. He doesn't like the electronic contraptions. He apparently he's footing the bill for all the electricity. <laughs> he's none too happy about the about those houses they had. Those, yeah, uh, pretty uh, unique uh cabin of sorts another obvious european flavor where it's yeah. like there's no cabin in the u.s that looks like that i did think it was hilarious where you gave him the shirt and then the next day he's like hey what do you think about the shirt he's like that sucks <laughs> he says but you bought it for me i didn't buy it for you they give it away when you spend 200 dollars worth of stuff at whatever i don't know if it's the computer <laughs> store or <laughs> the repair shop yeah whatever but somebody it was like a incentive for buying 200 dollars worth of merchandise somewhere sure they say oh i I hated it so i gave it to you (laughs) all right uh i think we covered it pretty well is there anything else you wanted to bring up all my notes all my notes are exhausted did you figure out it was lillian the whole time i mean they go really hard into making you think it's gonna be gerald Rewatching it i i couldn't remember what I saw, I remember there was a like a, a surprise ending. I remember somebody looks into the camera, but in my fuzzy memory, I thought it was Gerald that was looking into the camera. It was like a weird mm-hmm. look, but no, it's her. And you know, and so I, I didn't remember it until the end because I think the first time watching, I think I really had the itis when they were explaining like all the exposition after Gerald shows up. Yeah, at the very end, so that kind of explains everything. <laughs> 
And then I like I kind of woke up and you know she was giving that weird look into the camera. I was like, what just happened? And I missed it. Yeah, because <laughs> so. she uh she finds Gerald has been tracking the murders on his computer. Yeah, that's kind of early uh, on. And then he's like, Oh, I uh he I, oh by the I, way is everything that is he, so he, he, like he's like I also keep track of all the automobile accidents <laughs> and forest fires in California too. Don't you like statistics? Everything that implicates him, he just, oh, by the way, yeah, I do that. That's just something I do. And then uh, (laughs) she's like, oh, my cousin Charlie, I pushed him off the swing set. He cracked his skull. And uh, they imply that that, uh, Gerald was uh, Charlie, her cousin, Mm -hmm. which would have been doubly weird because they're kissing cousins. Right. And uh, where'd you get the scar from? And he says, oh, uh, motorcycle accident. You know, like real... Like shady, like, mm-hmm. but then later you find out that Charlie was a uh, coping mechanism, and she's the one that cracked her skull and uh, yeah, became a psychopath who had to kill everybody who ever interacted with her at the mental hospital. All the nurses and doctors and stuff, the hairdresser, the waitress. <laughs> I guess the waitresses and hairdressers at the mental hospital, right? Yeah. But uh yeah, so and then uh, because she's being chased by Gerald at the end, they shoot Gerald. <laughs> yeah. like, We're gonna save you from big bad man. All oh, the murders man. are over now. And she get that look on her face. He's got the axe, right? Uh I can't remember if he runs out with the axe or not, but they she runs out in front of him. I don't even remember why the cops are there, to be honest. Yeah. Like they just are there. Like in force, guns drawn. <laughs> well, it's because uh, aren't they looking after that creepy kid that's living at the what's I, I forget the old man's house. I think it was the old, old man's name. Brock. It was Brock yeah. or something like that. Because weren't they starting to implicate him? Well, yeah. I mean, he implicated himself. <laughs> yeah, numerous times. Kind of a common thing in in this, these movies. So, um, since you watched this right before, and are you going to change your uh, opinion, like Stu? No, no, it's a, it's a solid two point five stars. Staying firm on your last resort. This is two point five stars. Uh, you're lucky I didn't make it lower. <laughs> <laughs> I'm lucky. Yeah. No, I have no, I have no stake in the matter. No, this is a, this is a solid. Uh, this is a solid last resort. Uh, where you don't need to see it, but if you watch it, you're going to get uh, a pretty good time out of it. The type of last resort that you'll probably watch like five, ten years from now and either be like, yeah, I was right, or eh, it's a little more fun than I remember, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's not like it's going to blow you away, but I had fun. Much more the second time. Yeah, it might have hurt that we watched so many similar movies recently, too. Like... <laughs> yeah. Like this is just like pieces of New York Ripper and uh, <laughs> whatever else we watched. Yep. All right. Well, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right. Check you later. Bye. Wait, man. Why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking check about? Check you later. Check you later. <laughs> hey, man. You off my case.